Hello everyone and welcome back to How to Self-Therapize. Today we will be discussing relationships. I'm here joined by Dr. Patricia Miller once again. Good afternoon, Rebecca. Nice to see you. And yes, today's topic is relationships. relationships. Very broad topic. Mm, Something yes. that applies to everyone and relationships. Everyone's lives are filled with relationships across the lifespan, so something that's familiar for everyone. So to start off, how can we define relationships or even healthy relationships at that? Wow, that's a big question. Mm-hmm. I think any type of interaction where there's some purposeful intention to relate to another person or people Mm -hmm. um, would be a starting place Mm -hmm. for a healthy relationship. And the intentionality is to share some sort of emotional, physical, and or can be sexual space, depending on what types of relationships Mm -hmm. we're talking about. And when you think about that in regards to intentionality, it is the want to connect. And for some people, it might be the need to connect depending on the age, too, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. our little people need relationships in order to be okay in the world. We all need relationships in many ways to be okay in the world, but our littlest people are most dependent, as well as some of our folks that are aging are also needing relationships to have people respond to them and take care of things that they can't, and or those that might be functioning differently and may not have the same capacities they also need relationships Mm -hmm. a lot of other folks might may want relationships so again it's that intentionality to relate to another person or people that's kind of your fun foundational work around setting up and establishing healthy relationships Mm -hmm. something that we touched on at the beginning of this podcast was the idea that we're social beings and that level of interconnectedness with each other I think brings a level of fulfillment too even as children like you mentioned it's that nurturing piece and then across lifespan we we're social beings so we need that level of connection with other people around us and relationships are one of the most nurturing ways I think that we can connect with other people beyond a surface level connection right and I think in relation to relationships like Maybe a more westernized way of seeing relationships is almost like a top-down, like I give you a relationship or I need a relationship. Um, A lot of the Blackfoot teachings and Roy Bearchief has been sharing this over at Mount Royal University is looking at the spider web Mm -hmm. and really challenging out Maslow's Kharkiv needs that that sense of belonging that is in a pyramid so that you can get to Mm self-actualization is not really a pyramid when you look at the Blackfoot teachings. It's a spider web. The child comes through, right? The relationships are held through the community. A child is always held as sacred. And so a whole sense of belonging is that interconnectedness with people and community. And that becomes really important when we're thinking about relationships is it's not a top down or bottom up it really is the child and or person is in a community of relationships and those relationships allow people to be well but also people contribute to the wellness in those relationships Mm -hmm. in terms of wellness what kinds of things contribute to a healthy relationship so I know you brought up this idea of space emotions and touch does that kind of do those domains represent something um, in terms of a healthy or non-healthy relationship? 
Well, I think when you think about space, I mean, to create healthy spaces in our relationship, if you think of like a relational dynamic, there is a constant interplay in relationships, a sharing and receiving, right? Mm -hmm. And one isn't more important than the other. It's really about creating some sort of reciprocity in there. And within that safe space and that reciprocity of receiving and giving, we make space for emotions as well. And emotions are our responses to experiences that we're having in the relationships or even outside of the relationships that we're bringing into the relationships. And then if you look at touch, I mean, touch fits in many domains or many different types of relationships because healthy touch is based on mutual respect between the two people or people. If you think of a family system or you think of a a partner a partner type relationship where there's some intimacy I mean all touch is important if done in the right way because it allows people to know that they're valued you know it helps soothe it helps recognize it can bring excitement depending on the type of relationship and again I think in today's world we're really trying to um, regulate or modulate maybe a little bit around what is safe what is healthy there's a lot of confusion and yet there's a lot of clarity at the same time when people are saying, okay, that type of touch wasn't healthy and we're now naming it better or we're trying to figure out what is healthy touch in social situations where we might want to just reach out and give someone a hug and are we asking them if that's okay or how do we know with nonverbals that it's okay? And so I think there is a lot of clarity and confusion at the same time these days as people are becoming more aware of you know, what is healthy touch, what are safe spaces, what are, you know, proper ways to be in our emotions, and how do we share and create some reciprocity in our relationships around emotions, mm -hmm. and even difficult emotions. Those are your tough ones, yeah. right? And in new relationships, I think it's really important to be open to learning about these boundaries that people have. So in terms of space, learning when people need their own space or when you yourself need your own space. And that applies even with long-term relationships. I know with um, my family, there's times where I need space for my family as much as I love them and for as long as I've known them. Um, same thing with romantic relationships or platonic relationships. There's kind of ties into this idea of recharging your social battery like we talked about last week. And um, that safe space is really self-determined, I find. Mm. And listening to your either partners or person on the other side of that relationship what is a safe space for them as well yeah very well said around the self-determination like as you build in your awareness around yourself emotionally like physically sexually spiritually kind of that whole self perspective you begin to identify what do I need at this time and then how do you communicate that whether to your family members intimate partner um, people in your life it could be even if you're in a sports like a sports team and your people around you and you know how do you begin to communicate what you need around contact or emotional space or just space to be in yourself while you're amidst other social relationships I also think it's sometimes difficult to really tune into what it is you need in the context of a relationship a lot of the time we might find ourselves thinking about what is the other person thinking, what is the other person feeling, not what do I need, what do I feel. Um, and so it's important to have that space in order to be in touch with yourself because in terms, I'm speaking from 
the context of a romantic relationship or friendships in order to be the best kind of relationship partner, whether that's platonic or romantic or familial, you need to be the best version of yourself in order to be the best support and best friend or partner, daughter, sister to that other person, I find. Mm-hmm. And I guess what you're saying, and it affirms a lot of the research, is that self-awareness. And how do we develop self-awareness when maybe we weren't in a family system that allowed us to have that? Because sometimes family systems are only operating, or they're operating within the parameters of what they know. And maybe Mm -hmm. their family didn't give them an opportunity to develop good self-awareness. So then you will also receive that as it's the intergenerational pieces, mm-hmm. whatever limitations they face, then you face it around developing self-awareness. But sometimes then as we develop ourselves across the lifespan and in our teen years, when we're individuating with our community of people, we begin to see other ways, right? And mm-hmm. we say, oh, I didn't realize actually that you could say that out loud and ask for space or that you weren't comfortable with the conversation and someone actually said that and I've never felt that I've been able to say Mm -hmm. that like I don't really feel comfortable in this topic or talking about this at this time. Yeah, most definitely. I think with growing and developing and meeting new people and different ways of thinking and new ideas, you a lot of the time start to learn more healthy tendencies maybe And I think a lot of the time that surrounds this idea of effective communication because as a child, you're inherently in this position of you're inferior to your parents. You should be following direction. You should be um, do as you're told without really defying what that is. And I find that that might not create the most healthy environment for speaking up for maybe what your wants and needs are as well it can be a little silencing at times so maybe people might feel that they have to carry that throughout development as they age as well Mm -hmm. so this idea that maybe we weren't always taught the most effective and healthy communication skills as children and then we have to evolve those skills as we grow up Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting you'll see that in family therapy sometimes you know, a young person doesn't feel they have the right to express out something based on some of the dynamics in the family where there could be power to silence or to dismiss. But that's the role of family therapy too, is to create safe spaces for those that haven't been able to express out emotions and thoughts are now able to in a safe way and that everyone's committed to creating healthier relationships in the family. The other place I see that is one of the classes I've taught over the years of being a professor and teaching is interprofessional communication one of the things it's it's an introductory course that all professions within the university the students will access it as part of developing their capacity to understand sort of the basics of good professional communication and the development of empathy and listening skills and being able to create you know safety in conversations for patients and clients as they engage their work but there's a component of interprofessional or sorry interpersonal as well as interprofessional so we're really looking at the dynamics around how we communicate mm-hmm. why we communicate and I can tell you that students at the end of the class are always saying why didn't we have this course earlier in our life because the foundational work around communication is either given to us through families and or some of the community resources and through our peers as well but you don't see a lot of 
really good information coming in until we get some sort of engagement in training like a lot of the research a lot of the you know information known to professionals a lot of times it doesn't get introduced till you're a young adult Mm -hmm. and yet really that's foundational work that would be very beneficial earlier earlier on in life yeah so for people who don't have access to you know family therapy or couples therapy or access to the knowledge that might help inform and bring awareness to some of the less healthy tendencies in relationships like in a university course what kinds of ways or strategies can they use to cope with maybe some unhealthy relationship tendencies that they're facing well I think in recognizing right away that something isn't healthy Mm -hmm. so what is that is that the language we use because sometimes people can use some shaming mean not as appropriate language so I think making starting to make some sort of list like framework of thinking that says these are the things that hurt these are the things that don't feel right you know you could also identify what are some of the things that do work and then you have to sit down with what's not working and you're either trying to figure out how do we communicate more effectively without using hurtful language and words or screaming because that can be another one or even stonewalling being very silent it's like it's like I'm not talking about that can feel quite hurtful if someone in the relationship really needs to talk about let's say building trust and things that they need so that they can feel they can trust their partner um, so it's not always what's said it's sometimes what's not mm-hmm. said and or how it's not said right where I'm just going to shut down communication and we never <clears> bring it up again so I think you have to do some sort of communication inventory, mm-hmm. something we do in the course, and then looking at what do I need now so I can begin to either gather information because we don't have the knowledge on how to do this, podcasts, books. You're seeing a lot of information that's very available mm-hmm. these days. Um, and then you can do more application work, which is go to a workshop if there is options for therapy. Some people go into their faith community or their cultural community to seek out elders or other people that can guide them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you watch some people you know that are doing what presents as a really good job. Like you think those two people look like they can talk about things. You can also ask people like a mentorship or you're watching them thinking about, no, that's a really good way to handle, you know, that type of communication. So there isn't like a one size fits all, but once you start to name what isn't working, then at least gives you some kind of foundation to begin the work towards what could we Mm -hmm. do to make this work better. Mm -hmm. And think critically about it. Always Mm. kind of being introspective about that I find is helpful. Um, I don't know if you've used this in practice at all, but something that's been beneficial for the relationships in my life has been steering away from looking at these maybe harsh, um, unhealthy tendencies that exist in the relationship where you don't feel appreciated and looking at the other side of the coin um, being love languages. Mm. So something I've read up on, so to do with love languages is you look up your own love language Um, It's the best way for you to not only show appreciation and love, but it's also that the best the best way that you receive it And the best way that you feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. Have you ever kind of talked about that in practice at all? Oh, yeah, that's a big one that book is you know been around for quite some time and Mm -hmm. I Actually will encourage couples to read it. I'll Mm -hmm. encourage students to read it if they're looking at more that interpersonal Mm -hmm. connection um, and looking at the five love languages as again an opportunity to understand how we might be seeking to have someone 
communicate to us, but how we tend to communicate to the other person on the love language channel that we like, i.e. if it's, let's say, gifts, if we really like receiving gifts, then we're buying our partner a gift to say how much you appreciate them. And they're like, yeah, but you didn't take the garbage out. Yeah. And that's acts because of service. Acts of service. <laughs> yeah. You see that show up all mm-hmm. the time. And so it's like relearning, right? You get to learn about your partner, right? And what they need so that they feel the value and validation yeah. of who they are, not of who you think they are. I find that that's really effective for romantic relationships for sure, because even that effort to go and do maybe that online quiz or read that book is a level of effort that that can you know shows appreciation but i find that maybe with a parent it's not as effective to be like mom can you do this quiz so what kinds of ways can people navigate maybe promoting a healthier relationship with parents where you can't really tell them to go do an online quiz or read an article well that's interesting because part of being in a loving relationship is to be able to ask Mm -hmm. parents at some point if they would be interested in working on the relationship Mm -hmm. that there's a disconnect around you know a young person feeling that they are not being validated in the way they need to and how can you introduce that into a family relationship if there is an openness a parent would say you know what I can hear that you don't feel that I am valuing who you are and maybe I need to learn a little bit about how to better communicate with you. Lots of times um, around for parents around teens there's a real disconnect because teens are always living in a different time than their parents because parents would say well Mm -hmm. I went through that. Yeah you did but you didn't go through it in today's world with all this technology and all of the things that young people are experiencing. So sometimes you do need to read a book and you do need to be open to understanding how teens are experiencing themselves in this world and what they need around validation in relation to who they really are. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful act of love, an act of service to the people you care about is to say, yeah, I will take the time to read that book and let's sit down and, you know, we can read it together or we can talk through some of the main themes and Mm -hmm. I'd love to get to know what you need. Like, when you think about love, love is a service. Mm -hmm. Love isn't just, oh, I love you. That's like words of affirmation, but someone's sense of being loved could be that you took the time to drive them somewhere and you actually ask them how they're doing Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. assuming because they're quiet oh, I guess they're just grumpy today, Yeah. right? And a lot of that work is the interpersonal interaction. Mm -hmm. And parents need to come out of a comfortable position of, well, I know because I was once a teen, and it's like, you weren't a teen at this time. And actually, we're starting to understand more about how teens are, you know, functioning in today's world, even how their mental health and kind of that neuropsych piece, how the brains are developing, what's impacting young people. And that is new information even for professionals and for parents to want to understand that um you know a teen that's not saying anything doesn't mean that teen isn't wanting to say anything they could have a lot going on internally Mm -hmm. that we need to connect to i also think teen years are a very difficult relationship to handle and kind of navigate between parent and child but also speaking from my experience this transition from kind of teen and and reliance on your parents to kind of a young adult where you're less reliant on your parents but you still want to protect that relationship and and promote healthy tendencies there 
because I find that there's a lot less openness to kind of conversation. Yeah, and sometimes parents can struggle with, you know, not having figured it all out. Mm -hmm. So then they feel a little bit inadequate around how to do these next phases. And yet the number one thing is to know it's okay to feel that too. And that a lot of times that's that emerging young adult. They're experiencing that too. They're in the world and they're having to navigate processes around work and university and getting your first bank card and how to have healthy relationships with peers and how to get through bullying and how to be in the world that seems like there's a lot of complexity and a lot of things we as people don't have control over with the environment and economic issues and world conflict and all sorts of things so usually I say in in that emerging adult time frame it's where you need to have more openness to having conversations where no Mm -hmm. one really has the answer Mm -hmm. but we're willing to talk and think together and be open to hearing what it's like for an emerging adult to be in the world and they don't know everything and sometimes I think there's an expectation well you got to figure that out and it's like that's the goal Mm -hmm. but they need the emotional support or mental support to begin that process yeah and allow that safe space for mutual effort to find that conflict resolution and both come to the common goal of understanding each other Mm -hmm. and feeling safe in that environment. And that's where empathy comes Mm -hmm. in. What is empathy? It's that willingness to stand with someone else's emotional experience and not to override it, but to seek to understand Mm -hmm. it. And within empathy is that mutual space, right, where it can be quite safe Mm -hmm. and connective and then we can move into some more of actioning around things that need to get resolved, um, things that need to be addressed with other resources. But there's a sense of understanding that the world can be very complicated mm-hmm. and scary. And, you know, feelings of inadequacy are very common as people are trying to transition across the lifespan, especially those bigger transitions of you know, graduating or maybe not graduating and having to go back in and upgrade, finding next steps around employment or gap year or university and leaving home and, you know, all the other things that go with it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the best things you can do for a healthy relationship is empathize, put yourself in someone else's shoes and having their best interest at heart. Yeah, because it's really about the other person. A mm-hmm. relationship is about two people. If it's Mm -hmm. just one side knowing everything, that's not really a relationship. To relate is to relate into, right, the other person's experience Mm -hmm. and hopefully holding space together for reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. I hope that you learned something today and enjoyed listening. And that is all for today. Thank you, Rebecca. And remember, be brave, be strong, and take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening.